This episode is brought to you by Gin & Co, author website design specialists. If you want a beautiful and functional website to promote your books and brand, reach out to Gin today. His work includes tailored, expertly designed, professional author websites. I finally have a website I'm proud to share. And we've got a special offer for Words and Nerds listeners. Reach out today and get a free domain name and website hosting for the first year. You can get their website essentials package, includes domain name, website hosting, backup and security, free for the first year with any website purchase. This is valued at $330 a year. Choose a website designed to bring your author brand to life. You can find more details about this special offer at ginand.co forward slash words and nerds. Welcome to the 2024 series of the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm Danny B, author, publisher, and your podcast host. With over 1 million plays, thanks to you, listeners, readers, writers, creatives, teachers, librarians, and book lovers, thank you for coming along for the journey where we bring you relaxed and real conversations about writing and creativity. If you love an episode, you can leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram or Facebook at Danny V Words Nerds Podcast. Or you can check out my brand new website designed by Gin & Co at dannyv.com.au. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today, I welcome Tate James, a USA Today best-selling author of contemporary romance, romantic suspense, paranormal romance, and fantasy. Today, we talk about Tate's new book, Hate, a Madison Kate book one. Welcome to the podcast, Tate. Thanks for having me. Now, the first question I always ask authors when they come onto the podcast is, what is your elevator pitch for the first book in this series, Hate? Oh, gosh. Okay. We're only going a few floors, right? A few floors, a couple of floors. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Hate is about a um, very spoilt, um, sheltered 18-year-old girl called Madison Kate. Um, she sort of is raised quite um wealthy and likes to rebel against her dad's rules as you know they do sneaks out one night gets caught in the middle of some gang drama where a girl gets shot and everyone thinks it's her fast forward um about a year later after all of that's been worked out um and she returns home from being exiled overseas to find the three boys who were responsible for all of that drama have moved into her house throw in a bit of stalker action <laughs> and uh and it has everything um, one bad decision I leads you, leads you yeah. all down these paths <laughs> thank you i know it's really hard to you know put an entire book in 20 seconds but you did a great <laughs> job without any spoilers so that's important now, you're a USA Today bestselling author, which is really impressive. And I know romance is so huge at the moment, has been for a long time. What is it about your books, do you think, that resonate so much with readers? Um, I think it's bringing that element of mystery and suspense to the romance plot. So it's sort of, it keeps the excitement level going and the, and the, the whodunit going at the same pace as the romance is going. So it's sort of, it's bringing a little bit of everything to the page that I think is, is, you know, it's captivating and it's exciting and it makes you want to turn the page. It makes you want to pick up the next book. And I think that's, 
yeah. where it's at. I think you've got the the you know the most popular two genres, romance and crime, merged together. I mean, you're going to have some magic, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Now, you've also written, you know, in your bio as contemporary romance, romantic suspense and paranormal romance. And I, I know that there are certain conventions that you need to follow when you are um, writing romance. You're going to really disappoint your fans. Does that change in romantic suspense or is it pretty much the same, but you just added all that extra little bit of mystery and tension? No, I can, look, I stick to the the strict happily ever after rules <laughs> for romance. The only, the only thing that I deviate from and that is that I – my personal view of what a happily ever after looks like may differ from your traditional contemporary romance readers. That doesn't mean that it's not a happily ever after. <laughs> Tell me about that. Well, I tend to find that there's a sort of old fashioned view around a lot of contemporary romance that a happily ever after needs to contain a, a marriage and babies. Otherwise it's just a happily for now. And <laughs> I find I like to challenge that. I mean, I'll start out by saying I'm married and I have children, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not against it. But I do like to challenge that expectation that a woman can't be happy without those things. Yeah, no, so, and I, I totally agree with that because everyone's sort of happy ever after is a little bit different, isn't it? And it yeah. isn't necessarily that, like you said, that traditional marriage and babies. That and look, you can still everyone's. have those in, yeah. in, in a happily ever after situation mm. for your characters, but I feel like that enhances their happily ever after. It doesn't define it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And I like that because that was a little bit of something in romance that I thought needed to be a bit more progressive is that, you know, challenging what does happily ever after mean because the world's changing. And I think a lot of younger people aren't buying into marriage as quickly as, you know, the older generation. So I think it's, Definitely. it's, it's really interesting to keep um, reflecting society, I guess, in these books. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that romance authors have got a little bit of a, a duty to, to reflect those progressive views and not just follow a formula simply because mm. it's a formula. Yeah. And then whilst keeping with the conventions, which is probably a challenge, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now with your character, Madison Kate, uh, framed, presumed murdered, how do you go about developing a character like Madison Kate, who is complex, but also a little bit kick-ass? Well, I think with her, it's just, it was very much just sketching out her initial personality and then just letting her run with it, putting her into situations mm. and sitting there and going, how is she reacting to this naturally, as opposed to forcing the situation that you want to manufacture on it. And, you know, my characters in my head become real people um, and they react in certain ways that maybe I wouldn't. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's interesting because... When you know a character really well, you can put them in any situation and you'll know how they're going to react. So that's really interesting, yeah. I think. And yeah. then what about our antagonists, if you like, Archer, Kodak and Steel, untrustworthy and dangerous? Tell me about those characters. Again, they all just sort of formed their own very distinct personalities, even just from the first the first chapter, first two chapters, they just had very strong, very distinct personalities. And in, in every scene that I chucked them into, I just sort of sat back and went, okay, well, how, how are each of you reacting to this? And, and it just sort of 
fleshed out from there. <laughs> was it kind of fun creating those oh, kind of characters? Yeah, because it feels fun. fun. It feels fun yeah. when you're reading it. You, you know, I always yeah. think, oh, I reckon the author must have had a lot of fun writing this as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, you still want them to be fun. You still want them yeah. to be the kind of people that you would want to know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that creating the villain, but the, the villain that's kind of still a bit charismatic and magnetic as is what described in the book. Um, now, so this is part of a series um, with upcoming books, Liar, Fake and Kate. What are the advantages of writing a series? I think that you can you can weave the plot so much thicker and so much more complex because you've got that the length of a series to be able to unravel it all. And, you know, it it allows for much sort of deeper investigation into each individual relationship as well. Is it tricky because not only do you have to do character arcs within a novel, you've then got to do it over a series. So is that something that you sort of play with when you're starting a series or throughout the series or does it sort of emerge organically? I'm very much a pantser, so it's it just <laughs> it just happens. Oh, it just happens. <laughs> have you ever I tried sort of... to sort of be one of those plotters but you're just like, nut nah, brain explosion? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'll, I'll often try to plot on like the last book of a series because I'm like, okay, well, I know I need to wrap up all these different things yeah. and, you know, the book can't be 10 times as long as the rest of the book. <laughs> so I'll try and plot on the last book and it's always, it's just, it's not as, as fun for me because I can't just throw curveballs at them. Yeah, yeah. I think that if you, you're either one or the other and I think you always try to be the other to see what that's like, but you always go yes. back to your natural tendency, whatever that is, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about readers and, and why romance, the romance genre resonated with them. Why does the romance and fantasy genre resonate with you as an author? And why did you choose to write in this genre? Um, I think it's, I think it's the same as for readers. It's a lot of escapism and it's a lot of, you know, I think with romance in particular, it's a very emotional kind of thought provoking sphere to be reading in um where you do get a lot more in touch with characters thoughts and feelings and you know you really inspect the personal relationships and the dialogue and things like that and I think that reading that as well as writing it it allows you to get so much more invested and so much more connected to the characters that you you know you you end up rooting for them mm. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> I was like, mm, yes. <laughs> and so I know I've spoken to romance writers before and it's always a challenge to sort of up the ante on the romance or, you know, the sexy scenes and try and do something a little bit different. So do you find that challenging? How do you go get your inspo? How does this happen? I suppose the same with crime artists trying to think of, you know, murders that are different all the time. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Look, I get to do both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Look, it, it can be definitely challenging at times. I think I've I think I've written forty five romance books now, so wow. it does it does get to a point sometimes where I'm like, I feel like I've repeated, like I've done this positioning before. <laughs> um, so you sort of have to try and think of a new spin on it, or uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, and sometimes things get weird because <laughs> you like it's you're not just trying to keep the readers on their toes you're also trying to keep yourself on your toes mm. you know mm. so that you don't go oh I've done this you know um whatever <laughs> so 
I love there that. are websites yes I imagine I'd, I'd love to see your search history that would be quite it's amusing all incognito <laughs> there's a tip for everyone use incognito yep. but that's great yep. I love that and yeah. the tagline for this podcast now is that you know things get weird I think that's really cool <laughs> Now, 45 books originally self-published, now traditionally published. What have you learned about the industry from being, you know, published in both ways? Um, well, traditional is still a new uh, endeavour for me. So I haven't, um, I haven't really got much more than my toes wet in it so far. <laughs> so it's, it's, I think that there's going to be still a lot of learning to be had. It's an interesting shift from being entirely indie where everything is my job, you know, and like have its advantages, but it also must be really overwhelming too. It is. And and it's a hard shift to go, Oh, well, there are other people doing these jobs that I, you know, need to keep across everything and and discuss things. And it's, 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 it's weird. (laughs) So it's more collaborative. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But it's also nice to have that sense of a safety net, essentially, that you're not in it on your own. Yeah. And that expertise, you know, because you've got expertise of of editors who've been around and then book cover designers. And it's incredible the amount of people that actually go into the creation of a book. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And so I was looking at your last covers that were you know, self-published and the covers that are now, you know, I think they just, the covers that I've seen for the new book, it's just incredible. So if you haven't seen it, definitely Google it, this beautiful green and hot pink. What was mm. your reaction? Because they're quite different to what they are very had. different. So what are your thoughts on, on the new cover? I think it's stunning. So, well, there were, there were quite a few different covers yep. that they sort of um, tested and sure. trialed like that so this was definitely my favorite of the ones that they had presented to me just because it is so different from I've I've done like the model covers and I've also done like a an alternate version that was you know flowers and whatnot uh, which which is I still absolutely love the original covers Mm -hmm. but I also loved seeing a a third option Mm, that was completely different from both of those a different interpretation is yeah I reckon and I thought how great to to have that opportunity to be able to reach a market who maybe didn't like respond to either of the two covers that I used. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really cool. And a different interpretation of your story as well. So it's a really cool journey actually being, um, you know, self-published and moving into traditional. And I think it'll continue to be a really interesting journey. Yeah. And we talked a bit about writing process and, you know, you said you're a self-confessed pantser, um, but 45 books later, how has your writing process changed? Um, I procrastinate a lot more now. <laughs> sounds like sounds like every writer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have found I've learned a lot through the sort of editing, betering kind of process on, on a lot of my early books to the point where now my draft, I draft very cleanly, which cuts down a lot of time because okay. it means that I don't have to do rewrites re-edits you know all of the rest of it the the draft that I produce is almost you know obviously with line edits and typo fixes mm-hmm. and stuff it's, it's very similar to the book that gets put out mm-hmm. which is you know it's a time saver but also it, it helps that you know the words that are going on down on the page are exactly what I intended them to be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you're more deliberate with the words you put on the page yeah. you think yeah oh, that's really interesting and what was your journey because I know 
you know, this is your sort of first experience in traditional publishing. What was the thinking behind you um, being self-published? Was it something that you just always wanted to do or you wanted complete control over the work or what was the thinking there? Um, a bit of both and also um, a, a heavy dose of imposter syndrome. I just genuinely didn't think it was worth pursuing mm-hmm. hard enough to really take it, you know, down any other route. I thought... You know, I've I've written this book. I wrote it for me and no one else. And then I got it edited and that was really painful. Um, <laughs> and then I thought, gosh, I've gone through that rough process. I might as well, you know, I'll, I'll self-publish it. And, and if, if somebody wants to read it, great. If they don't, whatever, you know. That was kind of my, my thought process with it. I really wasn't backing myself in the sense that I thought it was going to reach as many people as it did mm. and, and, and sell as well as it did. So mm. has that changed? Yeah. Do you tend to back yourself a bit more now? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I think we all yeah. need to. <laughs> we and all I need to do that a bit more. <laughs> it really only took that first release for me to go, actually, you know what? I've got this. <laughs> mm. Mm. And it's a really nice journey too, I think, because when it's traditionally published, you know, someone's believing in you, but the readers haven't really had a say. But in this, it was really the readers, and this is happening more and more with TikTok or BookTok, with readers yeah. making the decisions of what's read, what's popular, what's coming back, all those things. So I think I love that idea of readers having having that power. What do you think about that? Yeah. I think it's fantastic. I think it's it's contributed hugely to the sort of re-emergence of romance in the mm-hmm. reading sphere. You know, people aren't they're not as guarded, they're not as ashamed of what they're reading anymore because they're seeing all these typically young TikTokers that are just proud of what they're reading. They don't give a fuck what anyone else thinks. They like it and, you know, screw your opinions kind of thing. Yeah, and, and more what reading people, should always be. Yeah, you know? yeah. More and more people are going, actually, yeah, why am I hiding this? Mm. And I think it's really nice and I think it's it's really eye-opening for a lot of a lot of readers or, or, you know, it's, it's bringing people back into reading who may have, you know, fallen out of it. Mm, No. And I, and romance, the genre has just been popular with readers since the beginning of time. So there's something in it. There's something that people need from it. There's something that people get from it. And so I really don't buy into the whole, oh no, we must read X, Y, or Z and and we must hide A, B and C. Like it's just, you just read what you want to read and that's what makes you happy. Yeah. I mean, you know, who's the book police, really? Exactly. <laughs> now, when I read your bio, it was contemporary romance, romantic suspense, paranormal romance, fantasy, urban fantasy. Yep, everything. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. But <laughs> I love how the genre has all these little subgenres. It's like crime. You know, it's so long. You've got crime, thriller, horror, all these things sort of in the one subgenre. And I think romance is, is very similar to that. So the same conventions, I'm assuming, with all of them, but just yes. little bits of extra pieces added on. Is that how that works with contemporary suspense and paranormal? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I started out in paranormal. Okay. Um, you know, your shifters and dragons and magic and all the rest of it. <laughs> and, um, and back then I, I would have sworn black and blue that I would never write contemporary. I was like, I don't want to write about the real world. Oh, I only want to write about the magical world. Ooh. You know, if I want to read about the real world, I'll, pick up a newspaper <laughs> that was my that was my honest opinion of contemporary back then and then yeah. um somebody challenged me to write a contemporary piece just for a an anthology or something 
And I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then once I started getting into it, I was like, actually, this isn't so bad. And then the further I got into it, I went, actually, this is really good for me because it's challenging me to create that same sense of engagement and that same sense of excitement without the convenient use of magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes so you I could, Yeah, harder. it made me work a bit harder. And, and, you know, if I painted myself into a corner, I couldn't just go, oh, magic, <laughs> and get out of it. I, I had that. to, like, figure it out. And so oh. I, really, I enjoyed the fact that it was actually making me work harder mm on my craft to be able to to get the same emotion yeah I love that I love that evolution as a writer and what what were you reading before you became a writer were you reading the fantasy I was reading anything and everything I was on maternity leave at the time and um I was chewing through books immediately miles an hour (laughs) um so it was just I I was scouring goodreads looking for more sort of in the same sort of reverse harem kind of sphere. And there were very, very few authors back then. Yeah. And escapism yeah. is absolutely needed when you're on maternity leave. Yes. A <laughs> <laughs> question I ask all the authors who come onto the podcast is why do you write? I write because I love it. I, I love it. And they always say, you know, do something that you love doing and you'll, work every single minute for the rest of your life I'm sure that's the saying (laughs) well you feel like you won't be working something like that but I get the juice (laughs) but it is it it's it's everything that I love of reading but with all of the control of my own imagination on paper Mm, I love that and I think it is I think writing is a compulsion that you have to do because I don't know who would do it if you didn't have to do it or you weren't compelled because it's hard and like you said the editing's brutal and you don't know if anyone's going to read it so I don't think anyone would do it to themselves unless you're absolutely compelled (laughs) to do that you just have to like there's a story in your brain and sometimes the only way to know how it ends is to write the Mm, thing absolutely Yep. and that's the beauty of being a pantser and I, I actually think there's quite excitement in being a pantser because you don't even know what's going to happen and yeah. so you're writing and you're getting surprised or ideas and I think there's there's a different quality I think to the raw draft of of a pantser I think definitely definitely <laughs> I love that moment of oh I didn't see that coming <laughs> it's almost like your brain subconsciously is working and you don't even know yeah. it because like oh this yeah. all came together like it was a coincidence it's probably your brain working behind the scenes oh, I don't know absolutely it's amazing Absolutely. though, right? Yeah. Or sometimes you yeah. do paint yourself at a corner. You're like, right, mm, well, how do I get out of it? What do I do now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that though. Just going to use some magic. Easy. Magic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. I find it really interesting, the journey of being self-published and then traditionally published. You know, there aren't many authors who can say, you know, they found such success in the self-published world and then became traditionally published. So you've got the whole gamut of experiences there. So it was really interesting to talk to you. Loving um, hate. The cover is absolutely stunning. So good luck with it. And um, I look forward to the next 45 books. Excellent. Thanks for having me. (laughs)